Welcome to the Fresh Fiction Podcast. My name is Danielle Jackson-Dresser. And I'm Gwen Reyes. This is the podcast where we talk about what we're reading, watching, and listening to. This week, we're talking about cool girls. You can't see it, but air quotes, cool girls (laughs) and their portrayal in the media and how this has changed over the years. We're also interviewing cozy mystery author Mia P. Manansala about her new book, Homicide in Hollow Hollow, the latest book in the Tita Rosie's Kitchen Mystery Series. We are also going to go over our goals from last episode. We are not setting new ones this week, and we're going to be sharing what's bringing us comfort lately. Hooray. <laughs> Thought I would just lead with the, uh, the you don't have to stick around for our goals, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, all I can say is to everyone, once you get to the interview portion, make sure you have a snack handy because we talk about a lot of food mm-hmm. and I'm hungry just thinking about it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's also mid morning. I need a snack. It's <laughs> All right. So how are you feeling this week, Danielle? It's so good to see you. I know. I I think based on our little, our intro and our little bit of banter, uh-huh. we're both just having a week. Yeah, it's it's been a week. <laughs> it has. And nothing like particularly bad has happened, you know, for me at least. And it's just like, okay, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of how I feel. I'm just having a week. It's been interesting. How yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it's so funny. I feel very similar. It nothing, nothing has changed since the last time we spoke, which is weird because it has been a few weeks. However, um, I'm just thankful that it's a three day weekend. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, more looking forward than looking back. That's my vibe. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good vibe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So what is one good thing you achieved this week? All right. So I think when this episode comes out, I'm going to, I'm going to cheat a little bit and I'm going to say that I, one good thing that I achieved this week is I am going to my first concert in since the pandemic began. The last concert I went to was in October, 20, 2019. It was Mm -hmm. Wu-Tang. And now I'm going to see my first concert in a pandemic world with uh, seeing Eddie Vedder on Monday. And I'm very excited. So that is my achievement is seeing my first concert. Okay. This is hilarious. This is a digression. Get Mm -hmm. ready (laughs) this morning. Okay. My husband, I believe I've, I've mentioned this. My husband is a drummer and he is constantly, I'm not exaggerating. He is constantly tapping, tapping. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm constantly telling him to stop. Um, But this morning he was drumming on the table, like while we were having breakfast. And I was like, are you drumming that thing you do? And he's like, no, but it's close. And I was like, are you drumming that old timey Pearl Jam song? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it was. And then we went down this whole rabbit hole. Like then we had to listen to the song. We had to listen to Last Kiss. And then uh-huh. we had to listen to that thing you do. And uh-huh. we were like, no, it's the same drum beat. It's, it's the same. Exactly the same, except, and then, and then I was like, well, how long, let's like, how long is last kiss? How long is that thing you do? And that thing you do, of course, is shorter because it's faster. But I was like, remember the weird slow version that they sing like half of one time in the movie? I was like, I bet that version is the same length as the old timey Pearl Jam song. Um, that is really fun. I know, I knew you were a Pearl Jam fan and my husband is also a Pearl Jam slash Eddie Vedder fan. And mm-hmm. so this is so funny. I, I yeah. love them. already digressing. I love it so much. Pearl Jam is in the air. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And I think that I don't even know about last. I hate that song anyway. So yes, moving on. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Well, no, we were saying too, like, it's funny that that song is probably their most commercially successful uh-huh. song because and it came out in the year 2000 seriously like we looked all this up not even an hour ago um, <laughs> it's so funny that you mentioned Eddie better um I love and, it. but we were like obviously there are better songs but we were just like but that's the one that like so many people found out about them this is really hilarious I love, I love it. it so much I'll be sending you pictures from the show <laughs> yes please that'll be so great I'm excited <laughs> for you yeah that's gonna be awesome uh, and, you know, speaking of concerts, it's like such a great segue into our topic today because uh, hey, I, what I achieved. wish could, I could be. Oh, yes, you didn't. I'm so sorry. I know. Well, I like skipped around in the from the outline. But yeah, so my achievement is specifically as my alter ego, Danielle Jackson, I interviewed our 
friend of the pod, Jessica P. Pride, who we interviewed last episode, um, we did a virtual event for Books Are Magic, which is the bookstore owned by author Emma Straub, and it's in Brooklyn. Um, if you like Google Books Are Magic, you'll see there's like there's a huge, awesome mural on the side yeah. of the building that so many people go take pictures in front of. It's really cool. Um, but yeah, the, the, I just, I want to give a shout out to everyone at Books Are Magic. They were super fun to work with and thank you to everyone who showed up and asked questions. It was, it was a really cool conversation and it should be going up on YouTube at some point. Um, and I will obviously follow me on Twitter and I will tweet and probably share it on Instagram as well. But yeah, Jessica and I had a really, really another, it was like kind of part two of our discussion that we had had with her on our podcast. So yeah, as soon as that is up, I will share that out and everything. Um, but yeah, that is my achievement from last week, um, which was really fun. Yeah, yeah. I love it so much. I just love seeing you all over the the nation doing all these different <laughs> events. It's so cool. Yeah, it is. So proud of my girl. Now Gwen, move on to your segue. <laughs> Well, speaking of uh, concerts and um, cool people and uh, just in general being trying to be cool, aspiring for some level of aesthetic uh, greatness, I um, love our topic for today because uh, cool girls is something that we hear, I don't know, as a woman, we've heard that since the beginning of our yeah. Adolescence is like the expectation that as a girl, you have to act a certain way or behave a certain way or be this way so that you can get attention, whatever sort or yeah. no attention. When you suggested the topic of cool girl, I immediately thought of the speech from the movie Gone Girl. And I believe it's mm-hmm. in the book as well. And it's almost yeah, it's in the book. Gillian Flynn, I mean, you know, wrote the screenplay for Gone Girl as well. In fact, I think or she's a screenwriter. In fact, I think she didn't she win the Oscar that year. Um, maybe not, but I know she no, was, but she definitely was nominated. Yeah, she was definitely nominated. And then there was an article that I will link to in show notes that was, that ran in salon. And there are many articles on this topic, but the one from salon, I think got a lot of attention from a few years ago. And it really goes into what it means by the cool girl, because we're not just talking about women who are quote unquote, cool, mm-hmm slash attractive to men, but we're also talking about women characters who kind of have that je ne sais quoi sensibility about them that women also in turn are both impressed with and also maybe a little jealous of. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's, it's so interesting. And so for the you know, for the parameters of this discussion, we are talking, I mean, we're saying cool girls, we are, we're talking about women, but that, mm-hmm. that's, that's a whole other thing. Like, why do we call women girls? Why do we call men boys? You know, like the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we are kind of talking about, this is going to kind of come across as a very gendered discussion, but I think for the purpose of this discussion, we should just get out of the, you know, out of the gate, just mainly talk, we're mainly talking about cisgender for the mm-hmm. most part, not totally heterosexual, not always. Not always. Um, good, yeah. And yeah, so that that is just the nature of this discussion today. So I have this theory, as I was looking into this more, reading like the Salon article and other articles that came with it that I, when I was just kind of Googling around, but I think the cool girl is the evolution of the manic pixie dream girl. Mm-hmm which was this kind of thing in the early, like late nineties, early aughts, someone like Natalie Portman in Garden State or Zoe Deschanel in 500 Days of Summer, then kind of morphed into like Kate Winslet in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind or Gwyneth Paltrow in the Royal Tenenbaums. And then that is going to like lead into some of the, I don't even know who I call these wrecks necessarily. Yeah. Like the, the things we're going to talk about when we, like the people and the characters who we think exemplify this. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also this was, uh, this was, I, I was seeing more recent articles about with the rise of social media and the celebrity class, which is interesting to think about um, and how, just how people, I mean, we all know that most social media and even I think us as people on social media, like it's not the whole story Mm -hmm. (laughs) and there's so much more to think about this. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where 
I was kind of heading and I'm interested to hear more about what you were thinking about. I think another good example of what we're seeing right now is with Euphoria and the, the Euphoria High School's cast of sad girls. Like each of them really, I think, um, exemplifies the je ne sais quoi-ness of it all. Like each of them in their own way on the outside, I think to each of their friends looks like they're cool, but internally is losing it. And I yeah. think there's something to be said about the, we're in that sort of self-reflective moment with the cool girl, because now we're seeing filmmakers and storytellers who are actually starting to tear that apart a little bit more and show mm -hmm. the internal workings of what it takes to keep a cool girl cool. And a lot of the times they're not cool on the inside, they're falling apart. And I think that that's also a really kind of interesting place to be 20, 25 years into this evolution of the cool girl, seeing finally like the, the struggles underneath it that make that girl. Euphoria is just having such a moment. I've tried with Euphoria. I cannot get into it. It's like it, too, it's too everything. It's a lot. The first season is so good. And I think the first season really hits sort of that cool girl vibe a little bit more, whereas the second season it's really lost a narrative thread. And I don't think that it has that same sort of theme as well. I think it's now just like a party show yeah. <laughs> uh, and people just cry and scream a lot. But um, I just, yeah, I think that that, especially that first season really just sort of exemplifies what the modern cool girl is going to yeah. be looking like. Do you have other TV you want to talk about? Yeah, for sure. So another show that I think um, is really was an interesting sort of take on the cool girl, especially in the, the sort of like when I think of a cool girl, I think of her sort of as a snake, as something that is appealing, but also terrifying. There's something like grotesquely attractive about this about a cool girl. Um, and I think a good example of that right now is um, Anna Delvey played by Julia Gardner in Inventing Anna on Netflix. It's a trash show. It's really, really terrible, but I could not stop watching it. And her character, you can see sort of how, um, how that cool girl, je ne sais quoi, does whatever she wants to do. It's not gonna let anybody stand in her way. You can see how she's able to manipulate situations. And I thought that that was so much fun to watch. Um, and yeah, her accent's ridiculous. Uh, and then let's see. So another one that's coming out a little bit later in March is We Crashed, which is another scammer uh, show. This one's on Apple TV and it starts Jared Leto and Kate or um, Anne, Anne Hathaway, excuse me, it's like Anne Winslet. Yeah. But Anne Hathaway is playing a character named Rebecca, who also goes by Rivka, who is the, who's married to the founder of WeWork. And she is from the moment you see her, she just has that sort of cool girl look vibe. Mm -hmm. She doesn't let anything stop her. She is also constantly, if something doesn't work out the way that she wants it to work out, she's going to manipulate that situation. And I think that that's going to, we're going to see people dressing like her this mm -hmm. year, because I think her aesthetic is so cool. And that's again, another part of the cool girl vibe. And then finally, um, another example of a cool girl that can kind of take you on an adventure that you didn't really expect to go on is Zola, um, which I guess is not a show as much as it's a movie. Um, yeah but we can come back to that. But I think that Zola and it shows another sort of like rabbit hole experience with a, with a cool girl. Yeah. So the one on TV that I could think of was, and I think this is so interesting because it is, it's literally with one of the manic pixie dream girls, mm -hmm. which was, you know, Zoe Deschanel kind of got, I don't want to say pigeonholed because I feel like she kind of always plays that type of character. Um, but anyway, on New Girl, you know, she very much was like the very quirky, cute, like, you know, just like not, adorable. Yeah, adorable, like not threatening in any mm -hmm. kind of way kind of a person. And so then in real life, Zoe Deschanel was pregnant. And so she was kind of she was on maternity leave. And so they brought in and at that point on the show, Nick and Jess had, I think, had just broken up. They had been together for a couple of seasons and they'd broken up. And Jess, I can't remember the reason why Jess leaves, but she's not on the show basically for almost an entire season. And so they bring in this new character to start dating Nick named Reagan. And she's played by Megan Fox. And Megan Fox, I think, has played like the cool girl in almost mm -hmm. Everything. every movie she's ever been in, like including Transformers, you know? <laughs> um, and, and she was such a, a foil for... Jess, like Reagan came in and was kind of just was like, yeah, whatever. That's awesome. And mm -hmm. she and, and Nick were 
like a fine couple, but I think, you know, at that point on the show, everyone was like, yep, no, we know how this is actually going to end. (laughs) Why are we even doing this? Um, But then Jess does come back and they interact and they're like kind of nice to each other. Like they're friendly. So it, and then I think that again goes with this, Mm. uh, with the idea of the cool girl. She's like, yeah, cool. I'll be best friends with your ex. Great. You know, like, (laughs) yeah. And there was more to that. Like, I think she did. It does come out eventually that she had some insecurities about Jess being around all the time and them living together and that whole thing. But um, yeah, that's me. That's it for TV for me. I only, I could only think of like one. I mean, we talked about Gone Girl. I think Gone Girl is the quintessential, but for movies. What do we think about Sarah Michelle Gellar and Cool Intentions though? You know what? This is an interesting one because I think, okay. And this actually leads into okay let me let's put a pause on Sarah Michelle Geller because I yeah. just had like a thought thing okay. okay the cool girl though that I wanted to talk about in movies is Mila Kunis's character Rachel and forgetting Sarah mm-hmm. Marshall because she is put up against um oh my god why did I just blink on on Kristen Bell Kristen Bell's name Kristen Bell <laughs> she's put up against Kristen Bell because Kristen Bell kind of is this nag of an ex-girlfriend and, you know, she leaves Jason Siegel and starts dating that guy. That's really the British, annoying British guy, mm-hmm. Russell Brand. <laughs> <laughs> and, but Mila Kunis is like working at this resort where they're all at. And she's just like, yeah, whatever. That's great. Like, you know, your girlfriend's yeah. really, or your ex-girlfriend's really annoying or whatever, you know, just like, she's just, and she, again, is supposed to be a foil and, but she's just so awesome, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think even there visually, you know, um, you know, Mila Kunis has dark hair and, you know, and then Kristen Bell is blonde and, you know, just like the way that they are just even the way that they like, they stand is like different. Yeah. And you were just immediately, as soon as she says hello to Jason Siegel, walking up to the front desk, like you're like, okay, she's awesome. Like mm-hmm. just from the get go. And you're immediately supposed to find Kristen Bell really annoying. Um, and I mean, that is the nature of that story. But yeah, I think that that was like kind of a more recent, even though that's an old movie at this point, um, example that I could think of. But what I like about your suggestion of Sarah Michelle Geller and Cruel Intentions, and then this actually relates to some of my book suggestions, is that Sarah Michelle Geller, everyone in Cruel Intentions, they all have these weird, deep-seated issues. Mm-hmm. And most of it is because of their parents. They're all too rich to know what to do with their kids. They don't know what to do. <laughs> and that's why they're all terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, and, but I, so I think it's for that character in particular, it's like a coping mechanism. It's like, oh, everyone just needs to think that I'm awesome. I think you could, we could even say on something like Gossip Girl. Yeah. Both iterations of it. It's like, this is how they deal with it. They either, they, this is how they get attention they hate Gossip Girl, but they all want to be talked about anyway, you know? And like, and I think that's very similar to that Sarah Michelle Geller performance. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do you cool. think? Yeah, no, I actually, I think that, that is incredibly accurate. Cause that was kind of what I was getting stuck on is with, with her character, it really is like, she is wearing it as a mask as one way to just sort of keep herself from getting hurt and keep herself from, uh, keep herself above other people. So I definitely agree that it's more of a mask for her versus that sort of like, I'm cool with everything. Cause I don't, I think that maybe in one way, the one that would be more like that would have been like a Selma Blair's character if she hadn't been so like flaky. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She had just Uh, been able to like embrace her coolness a little bit more. (laughs) Yeah. And so naive. Um, But yeah, so that leads me into, I have two recent book recommendations um, because what I think was interesting about books and especially I think in romance, which is what I'm going to talk about, two romance novels I'm going to talk about is that we are in the cool girls again with the, the air quote. Mm. I wish there was like a sound effect for like air quotes, but there isn't. Um, <laughs> but like you're in their mind. So even though for parts of, of these books, even they are kind of, they're brushing things off. They're saying they don't care. They're saying, let's do whatever. I'm not all that, you know, like invested in whatever the situation is. But then we also, as the reader, seeing them as the narrator or their point of view 
we also know that they are grappling with stuff. So the first book is a book that I mentioned briefly before, but it's Delilah Green Doesn't Care by Ashley Herring Blank. Disclosure, that's my agent. She's great. Um, this book comes out on February 22nd. Um, also, yeah, she has the best pub date. It's 2-22-22. Like, mm-hmm. I love it. Anyway, but in this book, Delilah, the titular character, Delilah Green, she is a photographer. She's in New York. She is like kind of on the cusp. She's like waiting. Hopefully she's going to get in this big show um, to showcase her art. And it would be just a huge boon for her career. And then her stepsister and her stepmom, who are the only, she, her father passed away when she was younger and her mother had like passed away even before that. So, I mean, I think that explains her issues right there. But so really her only family that's left are these, his stepsister and the stepmother. And so, and I can't remember the exact setup, but like, she has to go back home and photograph her stepsister's wedding. Like it's just, it's a stipulation that she has to uphold. And she goes back and gets involved with her stepsisters, one of her stepsisters, best friends. Like that's kind of the setup and it's like, they're trying to keep it from everyone. And obviously almost everyone already knows it's great. Um, It's really lovely, but they, the thing with Delilah is that like over the course of the novel, as she's, opening herself up to the possibility of this relationship. It also opens up all of these deep-seated emotions that she's had. And she kind of realizes, oh no, I don't have to just brush things off. Like I can have these feelings and that can be a part of me too, in addition mm-hmm. to me being covered in tattoos and wearing big combat boots and being awesome. Um, so yeah, so that's really interesting. And then another one, and I think this suggestion is going to really, this really aligns with the cool girl thing mm-hmm. is it's called Not the Girl You Marry by Andy J. Christopher. This came out, I think in 2019. Um, and the the main character, Hannah is like, she works for this event coordinating company, but she always takes on like the sporting events. And so like she was, so she's always working with all the guys and like going to like cigar bars and like drinking whiskey. And she really wants to move into the wedding space because that's like where the money is Mm -hmm. (laughs) because they're these big splashy events and her boss, like, you know, it's like one of those things where you, you just go with it. Her boss is like, well, why would I trust you to plan these high society weddings? You are never in a relationship. So she basically, and it, it's kind of a play on how to lose a guy in 10 days, but she kind of just like randomly finds this guy who's like, okay, I just need to date him until this event. So she knows that I'm serious and mm-hmm. of course fall for each other. And he has like kind of his own machinations for why he needs to be in a relationship for kind of a short period of time. Um, but it's the same way, you know, it's the same thing. It's just like, yeah, I'm one of the guys, like I love pizza. I love beer. I love, you know, going to, to sporting events and stuff, but also there's more to me than that. And she also has kind of some like deep seated, like emotional things going on too. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I think books are an interesting place to really dive deeper yeah. into the cool girl thing, because you can, you, you can have the you have the perspective of the quote unquote cool girl and you realize that there's more to her than what's yeah. there. And I, and I mean, I think we go back to Gone Girl, which of course, you know, we, you don't know what's going on in Gone Girl until like what a little more than halfway through that book when the big reveal happens, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, I think that's really interesting. Um, and I think you're right to your point of the book, the cool girl in books, you get so much more time with her. You get so many mm-hmm. more facets and more opportunities for nuance in a way that you even with a long show you don't get yeah Um, and you have time to sort of change your opinion about her through a book in a way again that you don't always get with the visual medium all right so let's talk about now because now we can like delve deeper into the celebrity cool girls Mm -hmm. um and the persona that so many people are putting on when they are, you know, when they have to be on, if you will. Yeah, for sure. Um, my first pick, I thought of, I was like, when it kind of starts to backfire, but it was with Jennifer Lawrence. Like, I remember, I remember like when I was getting married for some reason. Oh, because I remember one of my friends like found all of the photos of one of my bridesmaids, all of the photos of hairstyles she wanted were of Jennifer Lawrence, like various what or various um, premieres and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're obsessed with Jennifer Lawrence. She's like, I know, I think we would be such great friends. And I was <laughs> like, okay, she's a celebrity. Like, you don't know that. You don't know her. <laughs> then what happened though, is that it ended up kind of 
backfiring because I just remember remember when she was at the Oscars and she like tripped up the stage and everyone was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's so cute and relatable. And then the following year, she like fell at the Oscars when she, they were like walking into the red carpet and everyone was like, can this girl just stand up? Like, yeah. you know, Does she like, have an inner ear problem. Right. And then, and it was like, and when that happened, all of a sudden it went from her being relatable and silly and fun. And just like, you know, just like any girl, you know, it suddenly was like, she needs to get it together, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's interesting when it goes from, oh yeah, she's really cool to she's super annoying. I personally think Jennifer Lawrence is great. Yeah. I'm glad she took some time away <laughs> and, and now she's having a baby and probably taking some more time away. But yeah, I think, yeah, it was, that was an interesting thing to kind of watch. What's one of yours? Um, I think another uh, two sort of in the same Cut it from, cut from the same cloth as Jennifer Lawrence, uh, but an earlier version. I would say Glenn Close oh, is yeah. probably because she another she's another one that is like always down for something. Mm-hmm. She shows up for a party. Um, she's had a lot of opportunity because she has been around so long to go through the phase like that Jennifer Lawrence was in after it was no longer cool for her to be a bumbling little ingenue. Yeah. She's now this sort of like ridiculous adult or whatever and and Glenn had to go through that to come back to this place of being like a 70 year old cool lady that Mm -hmm. hangs out with all the kids at the Oscars and does silly things and like I think that she's just the best I love her so much yeah I like that I have a couple of those coming up um Mm -hmm. One, I think right now the kind of quintessential yeah I love this darling cool girl is Zendaya First of all, she just has one name. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's interesting because she has also been around for a while. I mean, she yeah. started out as a kid actress on, was it on a Disney? I think it was on a Disney show. Yeah, she was Disney. She was on a Disney, yeah. Disney channel show. And then she kind of had a music career a little bit and then went into acting and then, you know, and and didn't just do like the kind of like nice, straightforward mm-hmm performances like she has taken some risks you know on our last episode we talked about Malcolm and Marie of course she's on Euphoria you know and she's MJ and Spider-Man um or the Spider-Man movies she's dating Spider-Man in real life like she you know I just I remember when she was at was she at Con or was she at the Venice Film Festival whatever like which every time she put on an outfit, like everyone was just like, stop what's happening. Mm-hmm. What is Zendaya wearing? She's best friends with Timothy, Timothy Chalamet, you know, like it's just, yeah. it doesn't end. And so I'm just, I'm just hoping that, cause I think she's so great and so interesting. I really hope she doesn't have a backfire, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I was just about to say, it's going to be interesting when her backfire happens because it happens to everybody. I mean, I, it happened to Anne Hathaway. Like when yeah. it happened to sweet darling Anne Hathaway, when she got shredded, it's like it's the rite of passage being a female celebrity, unfortunately. Yeah. It's unfortunately coming from Zadea too. Yeah, I know at some point. Um, who's next for you? So my next one um, is Olivia Coleman. I think that she is, again, she'll just, when I think of a cool 40 something lady, I think of Olivia Coleman. She is out there just saying whatever's on her mind, smoking <laughs> cigarettes, eating yeah. cheeseburgers. I'm like, she's, she's the coolest. And then she doesn't, she doesn't like stop and ever really appear to question like her artistic decisions. Like mm-hmm. she's very, very connected to the work that she does. And I yeah. think that that's another thing that makes a cool girl, a cool girl is that they've got to have that thing that makes them special and if it's sometimes it can be that they're like a cool dancer so I don't know what dancer it doesn't sound like stripper but just like there's something interesting about them and I think like Olivia Coleman's ability to do her art and her work makes her extra cool on top of that that's a really interesting suggestion because when I think of Olivia Coleman too, though, I also think she's almost like a grown-up manic pixie dream girl. Mm-hmm. She's so quirky and so, so quirky. like you have no idea what she's gonna say. But then my next pick, she's this is also someone who you have no idea what she's gonna say. But it's also it's Billie Eilish, and I think she's kind of having. I mean, you know, she 
I mean, we could we could get into like possible cultural appropriation about how she dresses and yeah. <laughs> and all of that. But I will say whether you like her music or not, I mean, maybe it does have to be like you have to like her music because I do enjoy her music. But I think, you know, she actually has kind of the talent to back up a lot of what she does kind of do, I think. Um, but then again, she's also 20. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's got a lot of room to both grow and to mess up and all of those things that I think will more than likely eventually happen. Um, and then finally, and this I think aligns with your Glenn Close suggestion, I went with kind of the, like the legendary ladies mm-hmm. who fall into this category. So of course, like our, our beloved Betty White. Um, yeah. But I mean, she was always, it was like when her, you know, she passed and there were all of these long obituaries and articles and people expressing their gratitude and appreciation. It was just so cool to find out about like all the things that she was doing and how much of a pioneer Mm -hmm. she was and like how I don't think she really took that for granted. And, you know, I mean, but, you know, it's like right up until she, you know, couldn't be on, on Twitter or her people couldn't be on Twitter for her. You know, she was like having like, you know, like a pretend fight with Ryan Reynolds, like Mm -hmm. that's great. That's (laughs) really cool. (laughs) And then someone else that I thought of who's like kind of having a resurgence is Dionne Warwick. She, I I believe, I remember reading an article like in Vulture because all of a sudden she shows up on Twitter and she is just dropping these truth bombs that are amazing. Mm -hmm. So funny. And then, and you know, someone and then people like, what did inspired you to go on there? And she was like, yeah, my niece told me that I say such funny things that I should just say them on Twitter. And so it's like, it is her on Twitter, like calling out Jake Gyllenhaal about <laughs> where's mm-hmm. the red scarf like that. <laughs> I remember I like fell over. That was just so funny. After uh, I love Dionne Warwick. So I know. She was so funny. So I think there, there's that too. I think I love that we have these, these older women on here as mm-hmm. well. I think that's really cool. Yeah. We need our old lady icons so that we know when we grow up that we have somebody to aspire to. Exactly. All right, guys. Well, we're going to take a quick break. Welcome Mia to the Fresh Fiction Podcast. We are so, so thrilled to have you. Your debut, Arsenic and Adobo came out last May and introduced readers to Lila, a woman who is looking to put her past behind her um, following a horrible, horrible breakup. Um, and then she moves to her hometown to help work at her Tita Rosie's restaurant. Um, and of course she confronts her ex who drops dead, leaving all fingers pointing at her. Um, the evidence is flimsy at best and Lila is determined to prove her innocence. What I love so much about this book and what um, I think you're really doing with the series is that it plays so much with these rom-com and cozy tropes right off the bat. Um, what inspired you to take this genre of reflective approach uh, with the series? Well, well, two things really. Um, one, I kind of always knew like I was going to write a cozy mystery someday. Um, it's my mom's favorite genre. Um, she's the one who introduced me to mysteries to begin with. And it's one of my favorites, obviously, for the um, but you know, it was not very, at the time when we first started reading, it wasn't very diverse. Mm -hmm. Um, It didn't really reflect my life, my mom's life, you know, things like, you know, she kind of accepted it, but I thought, you know, there could be more, it could dig a little bit deeper. So like, I knew someday I would put my own spin on it. Um, But like the idea for this particular book came when I was talking um, to my mentor, Kelly Garrett, and we were both joking about how a lot of the contemporary cozies we were reading at the time had those rom-com tropes. Right. You know, like both of them, it's, it's uh-huh. almost always a woman, like 99.9% of them, it's like a woman who is single um, from a small town, usually had left for the big city, but had to come back um, mm-hmm. for various reasons, you know, just like a, you know, just like a rom-com, like um, a family member is sick. The, the, the family business is, is in trouble, um, a bad breakup, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, we were kind of talking about all these ones we'd been reading at the time. And I was like, oh my God, cozies are just rom-coms with dead bodies. You're right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and like that idea kind of stayed with me. 
And then one day I was riding the train to my previous job, just like on the blue line. And the first line of the book popped into my head, like fully formed, which is my name is Lila Makapagal and my life has become a rom-com cliche. (laughs) Um, So like when people ask me, it's like, like my mom asked me like, oh, how did you choose that name? And I'm like, like the character named herself, like she literally just came to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And when that line came, I was like, oh, this is a story. Mm-hmm. So like I pulled out my phone, you know, wrote that line in the notes app. And as I wrote that first line, the second line came to me, which was, um, oh, geez, like not many rom-coms have Asian-American leads or dead bodies, but more on that later. Wow. And yeah. so like with those two lines, I was like, oh, I know what what this is going to be. Yeah. Um, so like those are the, those first two lines didn't change at all from like the inception back in 2018. To, That's incredible. Like, published last year. Yeah. I love that. That's such an awesome, like the, you know, how they, they talk about the call. Like, I love that. The call story. I think <laughs> yep. that's so great. Um, <laughs> also can totally relate to, cause my mom is very curious about where my character names come from. And I'm mm-hmm. always just like, I, I don't know. They like, just, yeah. <laughs> it just, just happened. Like, and she's like, just wait, you're going to do an interview and I'm going to be in the audience and ask a question and you're going to have to answer. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, no. Um, <laughs> but speaking of kind of family, um, I love the attention that you pay to developing Lila's aunts, AKA the calendar crew. And of course the rest of her family. And I was wondering, can you talk a bit about the role of family in in the series and and how you approach the Filipino culture and language in your writing. Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, it's I feels like I have to put this up, you know, my experience as a Filipino American born and raised in Chicago is not mm-hmm. going to be the same as other Filipino, you know, so yeah, it's one of absolutely. those like we're not a monolith kind of thing. And the, you know, my connection to the culture, it really is just my family. I mm-hmm. was born and raised in a working class, um, majority Latina um, mm-hmm. neighborhood. I didn't have a large Filipino community the way that Lila did. Yeah. All I had was, uh, but I grew up in a multi-generational household. Like she, so like mm-hmm. I lived with my maternal grandparents, my parents, my two younger brothers, my two cousins, wow. my aunt would occasionally live with us. And then you know, like a lot of immigrant families are kind of like that way station. So when people mm-hmm. would come from the Philippines who weren't quite settled yet, a lot of times they would stay with us. So like my my grandmother's brother lived with us for a period of time before he, you know, found a job and was able to set up, you know, shop somewhere. So even though I didn't have an outside community the way I would have wished, I had this very <laughs> large, very tight-knit family. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to include that in my book, um, the good and the bad sides of having <laughs> yeah. large and that tight knit, you know, because um, I feel like a lot of diaspora kids have the same, like, I don't speak Tagalog. I, I can understand it just mm-hmm. because, again, I grew up with older generations speaking it to each other. But like mm-hmm. my parents had that, that early, you know, immigrant, like, oh, like, we want to make sure that you, you speak English perfectly and, you know, you don't get confused and it's not going to give you mm-hmm. trouble in school, which, not, you know, my mom regrets now, but, you know, late 80s, early 90s at yeah, the time, they, right. mm-hmm. they had no idea, right? So, like, I can't speak the language, you know, I was born in Chicago, I had no outside community, my family and the food that my dad and my grandmother prepared were my connection to my country. Right. Um, which I, you know, like I really, really put into the books. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And we're going to get to that. We're definitely going to talk about the food yeah. in there. <laughs> well, and that's so interesting because that's something that I relate to a lot. I'm a part, I'm half Puerto Rican and the same thing, like immigrant family with my, my dad's side migrated all over, but they also were army kids. So, you know, just travel, travel, travel. And like their family was very much the only connection I had to Puerto Rico And like the language was lost on multiple generations as we've gone older. And it's like so sad now because it's something that like I have always identified with. um, And I'm so thankful for more and more stories are being told with like these similar things, these similar stories outside of um, that are just relatable. Sorry, I just kind of went on tangent, but (laughs) wanted to acknowledge that. I thought that was great. Thanks. Yeah. 
Well, in um, your new book, Homicide in Hollow Hollow, which will be out um, in February, congratulations. Lila's at another uh, crossroads in her life. She's fearful about taking the pro- a professional and risk personal risks, like opening up her own cafe uh, or pursuing one of the two men expressing interest in her. There's also the fact that she's got the Shady Palms uh, beauty pageant that's just around the corner. <laughs> um, and one of the uh, head judges was found dead, putting her her cousin Bernadette as uh, one of the culprits for it. What I loved about this is that Bernadette and Lila have their own issues that they have to work out that are deep, deep seated, deep rooted in their childhood. Um, And I was just so interested for you to talk a little bit about what did you enjoy about putting these two rivals together and kind of um, having them break that, break that issue down throughout the story. Yeah, I really as I was writing book two, like I realized as much as I love writing like the mystery elements, the investigation, Mm -hmm. what I really love are the characters and their relationships to each other and what that brings. Um, Because with cozy mystery, if it's not personal, why would this like average regular regular like cookie baker put her life at risk? You know, so like for me, like trying to to really develop those relationships makes it more realistic as much as it can be, you know, right. <laughs> like yeah. all of cozy mysteries, is a suspension of disbelief, but like, I feel like if I at least ground it, you know, in, in, in the relationships, I, I can work with that. And theirs was particularly fun because like they're frenemies. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it speaks to kind of like the generational trauma of like, they're not frenemies because they personally have issues. They're frenemies because their moms are best friends mm-hmm. and their moms use them to compete with each other which I feel like a lot of people might you know (laughs) where it's like you like their moms would be the type where like you're 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 bragging but you're not you know you're just like oh I wish you know she wouldn't work so hard but you know she has to get straight A's every time or Mm -hmm. you know oh like did you know she won another you know contest like oh I can't believe you (laughs) like they do that thing where like they're not they're they're pretending they're not bragging but they're shoving yes accomplishments (laughs) in like their friends faces Mm -hmm. and so like like the moms had that kind of relationship and so because the moms had that relationship their daughters were forced to you know compete in that way and so like part of this book is them having to especially because you know um Lila's mother is deceased both of her parents are gone so Mm -hmm. book two is a little bit heavier and then it Mm -hmm. deals with like because the beauty pageant, her mom it was, a, it was a former beauty queen. So a lot of the expectations that her mom pushed on her, Lila's kind of having to like retroactively deal with. Right. Um, and so that, of course, feeds into how she's feeling about Bernadette, who is like, you're not her cousin by blood, but like the way these work is like, if you are a close family friend, you are family, you know, right. blood doesn't matter. Absolutely. So, so it, it's her cousin, you know. Um, so it's just so many things are kind of interconnected that there's there's no way that they can keep on going the way that they had in the past. That they have mm-hmm. to finally like confront what their moms mm-hmm. have been doing to them if they need to move forward and actually solve this case. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's really fun. That's really cool. Um, as someone who has very accomplished cousins. Yeah. (laughs) So we started talking about this a little bit, but we saved it for this question. We've got to talk about all of the amazing food that you feature (laughs) in this book, particularly that Tita Rosie makes and the other aunts. Um, So what dishes were absolutely crucial for you to feature? And also, do you make anything at home yourself? (laughs) So for me, I wanted to do a mix of like, the, the most popular dishes that people like, you know, like, like if you are familiar with Filipino food, you mm-hmm. would have heard of like adobo. Yeah. You would have heard of lumpia, which are like the spring rolls or like, you know, the fried egg rolls. You would probably have heard of pancit, which are the noodles. Cause those are the most common ones where like, you know, if you have a Filipino coworker and you have like, like a potluck or something like that, like those are the dishes you would see, you right. know, if you're invited for like a family party, those, those are kind of like the celebration dishes, but also common dishes. So like people would know those things, but I also wanted to include dishes that maybe you hadn't heard before because we are mm-hmm. not just, you know, mm-hmm. those three things, you know, right. we're an archipelago of like 
over 7,000, you know, there's lots of, you know, mm -hmm. variations. So I wanted to include some things that um, I personally love, but maybe you haven't heard of, so I can introduce you to something new, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, so the, like, for example, like the, there's going to be like the ginitang bilo bilo, like the, that bowl or ginitang um, that um, Derek encounters, <laughs> shall we say, in that, you know, I feel bad juxtaposing it because that's one of my favorite like comfort food dishes uh -huh. um, and it plays kind of a, a vital role <laughs> in yeah. that first book um, but that is something I really like which maybe you know an average westerner wouldn't be familiar with because it's basically like a warm dessert soup mm -hmm. um, but like but many Asian countries have a variation of that and you know it's actually often um, served as like good luck you know, um, because it has like those like round dumplings, which like are symbolizing of money and stuff like that. So a lot of times people eat it around New Year's, you know, so like there's like these little layers of just like, mm -hmm. I personally think it's delicious. So I want to include it, right? Like it's very self-serving. But yeah. at the same time, I also want to like introduce people to these other dishes or some dishes do have symbolism like as I said for good luck and you know mm -hmm. things like that so like just really it's this huge like I have google docs of like they're <laughs> long of like food that I want to include yes that's awesome. like the most fun for me yeah <laughs> do you sit down on like a Sunday and you're like okay let's make a list of all of my favorite dishes to include in my series in the next five years <laughs> <laughs> well because like, like a lot of it is more like you know like I follow a lot of people like on Instagram and I'll see these things where it's like the like the Filipino fusion stuff mostly for for mm -hmm. Lila's thing I'm just like oh that is mm -hmm. such a dumbass idea okay yeah. maybe I can like make my own version of this um and so, uh, your, your question um I'm an okay cook uh my father was the cook <laughs> in the family um so like the idea of like food as a love language mm -hmm. is very much based on my father and my maternal grandmother because uh, and my maternal grandmother is it's, it's like very like Lola Flor, like the grandmother character, very loosely based on her. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, the good and the bad. Um, of course. <laughs> and writing you know, is cathartic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was one of those, you know, like not to be stereotypical, but like in our family, like there was not a lot of like spoken I love you's, right? Mm -hmm. That's an American thing, right? There was not a lot of like physical effect. Like I know there's plenty of Filipino families who are very physically affectionate, but mine personally was not, you know, with mm -hmm. the hugs and the kisses. Um, but, you know, my dad worked really, really long hours and but on the weekend he would throw down like him and my grandmother would wake up at dawn they would go to the wet market to get the freshest fish and the mm -hmm. best you know the best of everything and they'd come home and cook for our family of like wow. nine to ten people you know that's yeah. <laughs> you know and and it wasn't just putting food on the table it, it was making something delicious for all of us um yeah and so, getting everybody together in the conversations that you would have as the family and mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah like, like we weren't big at eating at the table together, but there was still that. But like me and my brothers and cousins would eat together and like my, yeah. and like the grownups would eat. So yeah. like, but, we, but we'd still, you know, be eating together in, in, in a sense, you know. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So like and, I, and like with Filip I'm slowly learning some Filipino dishes because unfortunately my father passed away like in 2018. So like mm -hmm. if I want Filipino food. I need to learn it. Mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> I need I need to start making it myself. Um, and he didn't leave recipes because he was an old school cook. You know, anytime I asked for a recipe, you know, I would watch him and it, it, like there'd be no measurements. It's just like right. pour, pour, grab a handful. Yeah. Stir, <laughs> so you know, stressful. And yeah. And I'd ask and he's like, I'm like, how much soy sauce did you add? And he's like, eh, about this much. Like, <laughs> that doesn't, I don't, okay. <laughs> He's like, so can figure it out. And I'm like, yeah, oh, okay. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> so, but the recipes I include in the book, I do actually, I, like I create them. Like I do oh, research, cool. I test them. You know, I don't just like steal a recipe off the internet and stick it in my book. Like I actually yeah. try them out and, and tweak them to my, to my specifications. I love that. Yeah. What would you say is a good starter Filipino dish for someone to try at home? To try at home um oh okay yeah because so my dad was a good like a good mix of like doing everything from scratch but then also taking shortcuts where like where necessary so yeah. one of my favorite soups I think I mentioned it in the in the second book it's a soup called sinigang mm -hmm. which is like a, a sour soup it's tangy because the, the broth is flavored with tamarind um mm -hmm. so, so, some places use guava some use tamarind but there's like a souring agent to it and it's like really like refreshing and delicious it's also comforting at the same time yeah. 
And, you know, like if you want to be real hardcore, you can get fresh tamarind and, mm-hmm. and juice it and whatever if you want. But um, if you live in a place where like fairly big supermarkets, I've been able to find like the the seasoning packets. Oh, cool. For Sinigangbix. Like, like, you know, like, at a, like I found it at like a Jewel Osco. I was like, oh, look at that. They have, you know, <laughs> Sinigang mix. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what my dad would use. Cause like, where are we going to get fresh tamarind for him right, to like pulp in like, you know, 80s Chicago? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and it, it's delicious. It's super simple. You know, you add the, the seasoning mix to a pot of water. You can use you can use pork ribs. You can use shrimp. Shrimp was my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, leafy greens, tomatoes, onions. It's really, really simple, but it's like so satisfying. Oh my gosh. I can't wait making that when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds perfect. I was like, all these questions are self-serving so that I get recipes. For yeah, the- seriously. <laughs> it's, it's why we do what we do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, I, you mentioned this earlier that, uh, cozy mysteries is your mom's favorite genre. And I also mm-hmm. had read that it's something that you two shared, um, because you love to have that thing to talk about with each mm-hmm. other. What are, um, some cozy mystery series that you and your mom love? So the one that introduced me to the genre, um, were those like Joanne, Joanne Fluke, like Hannah Swenson mm-hmm. mysteries, you know, yep. again, you know, cause like my mom, my mom was a page at, at her, at her, at a library in Chicago. And, you know, she was shelving books one day and then she was just like, Oh, look at that chocolate chip cookie murder. You know, mm-hmm. like we, did, we had no idea that there was an intersection of like our two favorite things, which are like food and mysteries. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so she was like, Oh, why don't we check that? So like we started reading, you know, kind of a buddy read kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, there's lots of great cozies but our favorites are obviously the food ones mm-hmm. um I really like um like Vivian Chen's noodle shop mysteries yeah um, those are cool a non-food related one but one that I find is like just so so comforting is VM Burns um mystery bookshop series mm-hmm. and what's great about it is it's like it's um there's a story within the story. So the protagonist owns a mystery bookshop, but she's also an aspiring writer. Right. Who, who writes historical, um, like who, who wants to become a historical mystery writer. So like there's the like the modern day mystery that's happening to her. And then her escape is her working on oh, this cool. story that she hopes. To, so like there's like a, a historical mystery taking place in England inside this like Midwestern mystery of like a, you know, of a black, you know, mystery shop owner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's and, and they just, you know, they're light and fluffy. You know, if you like the calendar crew, like you'll love like because her her Nana Joe is like a main character mm-hmm. and like her crew at like the, the retirement home are like hilarious. So like, they're really just really good, cozy fun. I love it. So great. Yes. Awesome. Sorry. I'm taking notes. That's why I'm like, oh yeah. Sorry about that. I know it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So something that we always like to, well, we talk about this every episode, but we also like to ask all of our guests is something that is bringing you comfort or bringing you joy. It can be anything from, you know, entertainment, something you watched on TV, a new recipe, just family time. Um, so we'd love to know what is bringing you comfort right now. Yeah. Oh, sorry. One thing I wanted to add uh, oh, yeah. from the previous one. So my mom hasn't read it yet, but I'm passing it on to her because okay. it, it came out last year. It's Mango, Mambo, and Murder by Raquel Ooh. V. Reyes. Uh, it's a Cuban-American food anthropologist, which is like the coolest profession. Mm, right. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so it started last year. It's, it's the, it was the new series. Um, the second one comes out this year. Um, but like, if you're interested in like foodie mysteries that are also diverse, yeah. like I wanted to put that in people's radar. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. like, now like my, my event planner <laughs> brain is like, Ooh, I want to do a, like this sort of food-based mystery yeah. cultural yeah. explosion <laughs> panel. That'll be next. <laughs> but for, for comfort, um, candles, I am obsessed with candles. Yes. Like I, I light them at, like I have one burning now. I light one every time I start a writing session, kind of like the ritual of yes. it. Um, you know, a good friend of mine, MG, like we're in a, a writing group together and I was doing a writing session at her house in the before times, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, be, you know, she's also Filipino American. And before we began, she lit a candle and she's like, oh, I always light a candle for the ancestors before I begin. And I just thought oh, that was like a really beautiful that idea. really nice, yeah. Yes. Um, so I spend so much money on candles like, <laughs> not allowed to see like I have candle like a bill. candle I have like a candle budget like built in now um, yeah <laughs> I love it yeah. I love that, it so much 
Yeah. Do you have any candles you want to, do you have like a favorite candle right now? Ooh. Um, so I love like the Bath and Body Works, like candle day sales. Like I get Mm -hmm. so many of them. Um, and there are two like candle companies that I found last year that are both. So one is, um, like a Filipino Midwestern owned company called Terra, simply T-E-R-R-A. Awesome. Uh, I like them because they have like a lot of seasonal things. And then there's one that's like a Filipino Canadian company called Kilig, K-I-L-I-G. Um, first of all, it's a super cute name because in like the Gaulag, Kilig is the, the the feeling of the butterflies you get in your stomach, like when you're falling in love. <laughs> yeah, we have, a special, we have a special word for that. So yeah. yeah. And it's like every, every and they're partnered with a... Um, an organization in the Philippines, like every candle you buy buys a meal for like a child in the Philippines. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm like, ooh, candles and activism. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pay the Canadian shipping for that. All right. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. So those and then um romance, honestly. 2020 yeah. was the year I became a romance reader. And ooh. I Oh, and so like unless I've been blurbing which is obviously mysteries because that's what I write mm-hmm. I've been reading almost exclusively romance biopocrums nice. especially like yeah. like book two in my like I don't even know these people and in my acknowledgments I was like shout out to Talia Hibbert Alyssa Cole and Sherry <laughs> Thomas like y'all saved my mental health while I was trying because you know Second book syndrome. I'm warning you, Danielle. So I don't know if you're probably going through it. Second book syndrome is hard. <laughs> Super. Oh my yeah. We can, we can talk offline about second book stuff. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. You know, like I was warned about it because I have lots of other writer friends. So even be, you know, obviously in the before times, everyone was talking about how hard your second book is mm-hmm. because your first book, you know, you don't have a deadline. You take yeah. all the time in the world with it. There's no real pressure. With that second book, you're on a deadline there's pressure because you want it to do well, you, uh, mm-hmm. you know, surprisingly you have readers now and you don't want to let them down, you know, like there's, <laughs> there's so many things that go into yeah. it. Um, and you throw in a pandemic and I'm just like, yeah, that second book was rough. Y'all. I talk about yeah. it in my author's note. I talk about it in my acknowledgements. Um, but yeah, BIPOC romance in particular saved my mental health Amazing. <laughs> and, and no. romance continues to be like a big love of mine now. I'm like, what took me so long to find these, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Oh man. I love that so much. <laughs> Definitely something we can relate to here. All right. Well, Mia, um, before we say goodbye, how would you like readers to stay in touch with you and find out more about you? Sure. So they could visit uh, my website, uh, www.miapmanansala.com. It's just my name uh, and sign up for my newsletter. I send out a newsletter every month with, you know, updates on on the books that are coming out. Um, I include recipes. Mm -hmm. I occasionally do giveaways and things like that. I I actually talk about my candle of the month because I I love them so much. I'm like, here's what I'm burning this month. Perfect. I'm also, um, all my social media has the same handle. So Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram is at MPM. So my initials, MPM, the writer. This is the second interview we've had, maybe the third or fourth interview, actually, now that I think about it, that I, it ended with us, with me being like, we need to meet up because you live (laughs) with me. Yes. (laughs) Mia lives in Chicago land. So yeah, I just need to... Because I was like, I said the same thing with Lana Harper. I said the same thing with Sonali Dave and mm-hmm. Melanie Johnson. So I just, I have all these people I need to hang out with. Yeah. Um, I think it sounds like time for a Fresh Fiction podcast meetup in Chicagoland. Oh, I think that's what needs to happen. That'd be so funny. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about our goals from last time. Yes, let's do it. My goal was to make my lunch to take to work. And so far, so good. I have been, I go into Anderson's bookshop three times a week and I have made my lunch all of those times. I love it. Yeah. And it's been, it's been really fun. Have you made the same lunch or did you make it, did you change it up for yourself? I pretty much do the same thing. Like I, I'm usually make like a big just batch of like just regular sauteed chicken and mm-hmm. I have a piece of chicken. And then, and then because I live with a seven-year-old, we have a lot of snacks. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of snacks to choose from. So some days I have Cheez-Its, some days I have goldfish, some days I have, you know, and then I also try to have vegetables. Like we usually have like sliced cucumbers and bell peppers and things like that to also throw in my daughter's lunch. So I basically have been eating like a seven-year-old, but I'm fine Love with it. that. Yeah. That's like, you know, it's good. That's 
It's a little bit of everything. Yeah. And, uh, throwing a vegetable in there is a really good big step. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. I have to do something, right? Something. I, I ate an orange earlier this week. Well, yesterday actually, and was like, whoa, fruit's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just forgot. <laughs> All right. So my goal from last week was, to, or last episode was to explore a new part of my neighborhood. Um, I did not get to really have a chance to do this. I got sick right after we recorded. So I more just explored my couch for um, a few days, but uh, I have been taking running on a different walk every single time we go. Nice. So that's been sort of uh, my middle ground of that. So hopefully yeah. I'll continue. That's going to be an ongoing goal for the rest of my life. Cause you should say to... Ronan is your dog. Not. Oh not... yes. Ronan is my dog. Thank you. <laughs> Shout out to Ronan. Yeah. He's a friend of the pod spelled yeah, P-A-W-D. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's great. Um, okay. And then we made the executive decision right before we recorded. We're not having goals this week. We oh. want to, we were yeah. both- our goal and we're like I don't know so we said our goal is to have no goals we will get back on track though next time (laughs) absolutely yeah yeah it's you know our I'm sure your daughter is about to enter her midwinter break so just like you know what she does because we had a longer win like actual winter break so Mm, okay she does have a yeah because of president's day she has a day off but it's not like a long time which is kind of nice that was going to be my thing of like, sometimes we just have to take a break from things to regenerate yeah. and yeah. rejuvenate our, uh, our goals, but we'll I be back. We'll be back with goals next time. Mm-hmm. All right. What's bringing you comfort this week? So this week, the thing that has been bringing me comfort has been, um, I bought a couple of new blankets because Costco was having a going out of blanket sale sale. <laughs> the end of the year. So I got a new uh, blanket by the brand Pendleton. I think I've talked about them before. Oh yes. I talked about them before when I was talking about the ugly jacket that I wanted that looked like, um, like a a native American scenescape or whatever, but, uh, I got blankets instead by them. They're very comfy. They feel like the softest little fluff in the whole world. And they're very, very comfortable. And I'll put the link in the the chat in the chat. I'll put the link in the chat. (laughs) (laughs) What about you? What's bringing you comfort this week? So I have been rereading the saga graphic novel series. Well, they actually come out as comics because after a very long hiatus, like almost three, I think it was three years, new issues of saga have started. They started last month. In fact, the second issue will be out like right before this goes up. So once this is up, the second issue will be available at comic stores and online and hopefully through your library. Cause that's where I get it. Um, Cause I was like, Oh man, am I going to have to go to a comic book store to get these issues? And I was like, I don't want to do that. Luckily my library is on it and I can get those issues through hoopla. Um, Perfect. Yeah, I mean, it's it's this really great kind of space opera. It has like ties to a romance novel, like the romance novel as like a, you know, kind of manifest destiny sort of thing. Um, and, and it follows this, this family who are kind of, they're on the run, but also a lot of time has passed. So are they still on the run? Like, I think a lot of things are going to be revealed. But yes, I mean, this is the type of, it's like, a reread of the trade or the trade volumes of all the comics kind of bound together. I am constantly rereading them. I always have them around. And so, but I did, once the newest one came out, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to read the whole thing. And honestly, you can read there real quick. You can read them all and like, let, I mean, I think I dragged it out. So it would be longer than a week, but I mean, I can, and you can sit down in a few days and read like 54 issues of, of this comic. And it's, it's just, it's really well done. It's very, um, it's like sex positive and diverse and inclusive and just there, and there's a lot going on. Um, yeah. And they've aged relatively well. There are a few things where you're kind of like, even from like the 2010s, you're kind of like the end of the 2010s, you're just kind of like, Ooh say that anymore but the the cool thing about that I will say is the the writer and like creator Brian K Vaughn he will like address kind of that later on like even within the first batch of them like you know at some I can't remember what exactly a character says and then later on 
another character is like, well, we can't say that anymore. You know, like, mm-hmm. so it, it is handled really well. Um, but yeah, it's one of my favorite, like it's a graphic novel series. Like when someone's like, I want to get into graphic novels, this is what I tell them to read. So yeah. So Saga by Brian K. Vaughn and illustrated by Fiona Staples. Shout out to Fiona. I always like when a lady does some work. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Especially in comics. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Well, that brings us to the end. Danielle, this was such a good episode. I feel super cool now. Do you feel cool or do you feel not cool? I feel kind of uncool. Yeah, I feel kind of (laughs) uncool. I feel like I need to go read and watch all these things and feel cool again. I always like Gone Girl again. Yeah. Oh God, that's the that's the truth. Just go watch Gone Girl, anything with Rosamund Pike. Um, that you can follow us on all the socials, uh, Fresh Fiction or at Fresh Fiction, and you can follow me at Real Vixen. And Danielle, where can people find you? You can find me at D Jackson Books. Awesome. And you can email us directly at podcast at freshfiction.com. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, like, follow, all the things that you can do on your favorite podcast app. It really helps us out. And we'd love to hear from you. So please yeah. give us a shout out. And until next time, uh, Danielle, have a great rest of your week. You too. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>